Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first supplemental lecture of the year. I'm happy that you're accessing it, whether it might be via podcast or via the video element through D2L links. Quick reminder here, as we launch into the first supplemental lecture, we're going to talk over things that we didn't really have a chance to discuss when we met in class originally. Now this week, just a quick reminder also, provided an introduction to the class. Please look over the syllabus if you haven't done so already. Chapter one is all about just really an introduction, effective business communication, what this means, and our first assignment this topic check number one on D2L. This is due at 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, January 21st. It's a simple quiz through D2L. You can access it either through the quizzes tab or through the content tab under this week's module on D2L. I give you 30 minutes, should take you all of five minutes there. So let's jump back into the material and talk about why we study organizational communication. Now the book takes the view that positive business-oriented communication is crucial for career success. And this is true, but organizational communication reaches beyond just a career. I would argue, and it's my argument, that the foundations that we'll learn in this class, the things that we'll talk about when we talk about organizational communication, this is applicable outside of just a career. Remember, this is organizational communication, not business communication. So in terms of organizations, Ideally, this stuff should be able to help you with groups that you're a part of, with volunteer organizations that you're a part of, with study groups or groups at school or even class groups. Think about it more as a melding of group communication and business communication. And so I think a lot of what we'll talk about in class will be able to help you. Going one step further, the book talks about the National Association of Colleges and Employers and their recent study. According to employers, the top five desired qualities and skills that employers are looking for right now in the workplace are communication skills, strong work ethic, teamwork skills, initiative, and analytical skills. Look, I can't help you with the strong work ethic. I can't help you with the initiative. That's got to come from within. But communication skills, teamwork skills, analytical skills, we're going to talk about all three of those during this course. And that's why this course is required or suggested for so many degree areas at PPSC. So regardless of what your degree area is in, regardless of where you think you're going to end up job-wise or organization-wise, ideally what we'll talk about in this class will help you out. And there's another good reason to talk about organizational communication too, because negative communication practices lead to a lot of bad stuff. From an organization's perspective, they led to unmet expectations for customers, an inefficiency and a lack of focus. And we talk about unmet expectations, you think about these massive corporations, but it doesn't have to necessarily be that broad. Unmet expectations take place also in the context of even someone bringing their car in for repairs. If that communication is poor or communication within that repair shop is poor, then the customer's not gonna have their expectations met and they're eventually going to go elsewhere. So all of this is important in terms of outward facing reach for an organization. But internally within an organization, we want to avoid those relational breakdowns that sometimes we have from negative organizational communication practices. We've seen it in our day-to-day -day lives. We have breakdowns with friends, with relatives, etc., because that communication breaks down. And that's what we're trying to avoid in an organizational context. 
And then the fourth thing we mentioned is anxiety and health issues. Think about a time where you were a part of an organization that you didn't really enjoy being a part of. You disliked it when you went to meetings or when you went to work, you came home and you were frustrated, you were upset, you were angsty, you were angry. Now the book talks about how it can lead to all kinds of severe health issues, but I at least want to look in the short term. When you have a job that you don't like, you have a communication circumstance you don't like, it weighs on you and that weight over time can take a toll. So we want to avoid all of that both within our jobs and the companies that we might work for in the future or might be working for now and in our personal relationships as well. I want to talk also very briefly just about ethics and organizational communication. We'll talk about this later on, especially as it pertains to negative news coverage. But ethics are a set of principles or rules for correct conduct. Once again, principles or rules for correct conduct. Now, the book talks about various different ways in which you can communicate in an ethical stand. But overall, what we want to think about from a business perspective, from an organizational perspective, we want to think about being trustworthy, not concealing the truth. And again, something we'll talk about when we discuss external communication in the class. And also, I talk a lot about the platinum rule. As an organization or within an organization, you want to treat others the way you want to be treated. This goes above and beyond the golden rule, which is treat others how you want to be treated. Because we all want to be treated differently and our needs are all different. So if you treat others, meet others where they're at in terms of treatment, it goes a long way towards ensuring ethical communication practices. Some of the other ones that the book mentions, being egalitarian, making sure your message can be understood by everyone, being respectful of time, of temperament, and being centered as well. Trying to maintain some sort of positivity and empathy when it's appropriate. All right, eight components of communication. We talked about this in class this week. You have your source, your message, your channel, receiver. Your feedback, environment, context, and interference. I just wanted to touch on this very briefly because I wanted to give you an example. We talked about it during class and we gave examples of each of these a little bit in terms of definitions. But I wanted to provide you an example as it would pertain to maybe a program you might be familiar with in The Office. Now, The Office is one of the more popular television programs of the last several years. So an example of the eight components of communication as it pertains to The Office would be as such. Your source, well, that's your network, NBC. They're the ones producing the message and distributing it. The message itself would be, let's say, an episode of The Office or the show itself. The channel, how is that message being delivered? Well, it could be delivered over the network, in NBC's case, on NBC itself, or on one of the many cable stations that runs reruns of The Office, or via their online streaming platform, Peacock. Now, in terms of face-to-face -face communication, we might just have that face-to-face -face as our channel. You might also have a phone call as a channel or a text message as a channel. Any of those might serve as potential channels for communication. Now, using the office as an example, the receiver would be you. The environment is where you watch the episode. That might be on your couch, on your phone as you're waiting at the airport, on your phone while you're in my class. Any one of those things might determine where uh, how you kind of ingest that episode and how you receive that message. Interference might include a bad television signal if you're watching it on the TV, a bad internet connection, or your surroundings. 
I know a lot of times, I've never, for example, watched an entire episode of The Big Bang Theory, but I feel like I've seen a lot of episodes because it's always on when I'm at the gym. It's never on with the sound on, so I have no idea what's going on there. It's the same thing if you see an episode of The Office and it's airing at a gym, there's no sound there, your experience is going to be a lot different than it would be otherwise. So that's a form of interference, the fact that there's no sound, or if there's noisy surroundings or distracting surroundings, that can all affect how you, the receiver, perceives the message. And we talked about the eight components of communication. Those are parts of the transactional model of communication. And you'll see on your screen, if you're watching this, the transactional model. You've got the source on one side, the receiver on the other side, the channel is in between, the message and feedback is going back and forth via the channel, you've got interference, context, environment, those are your outside factors. But there's also this constructivist model of communication. We're not gonna talk about that a lot during this class, but just know that it does exist. The constructivist model has the receiver, which is also the source on one end, and the receiver, who is also the source on the other end, and those two parties negotiate meeting back and forth based on the context of their relationship, based on their understanding of the communication, all of that. So the constructivist model is a little bit different than the transactional model. And the reason we don't talk about it as much in this class is because that negotiated meeting, that's a big gray area. And although this might be effective to look at certain discussions or certain forms of communication, it's not really instructive as far as this class is concerned, at least as much as the transactional model is as we begin to discuss some of these other factors and theories that lead into organizational communication. I want to talk very briefly also about the six communication contexts. Now, this is something that will appear on quizzes and tests as you go through the course of the first half of the semester. So we have intrapersonal communication, interpersonal communication, group communication, public communication, mass communication, and organizational communication. Let's talk about each one of those. Intrapersonal communication, this is what I want you to remember. Intrapersonal, that involves just one person. That person is you. Think of this as your internal monologue. We'll spend an entire half a lecture talking about intrapersonal communication and how it pertains to a workplace environment or an organizational environment. But what I want you to know is that this is going on for most people, if not all people. Interpersonal communication is a form of communication that involves two people, so it's one-to-one. -one. Instances of interpersonal communication vary in terms of levels of familiarity. For example, if you're meeting with your boss's boss's boss, you're probably not going to be as familiar with them. You may not crack jokes, you might not be yourself around them. But if you're having lunch with a friend or a colleague, someone that you've known for a long time, that interaction is going to be much different. But again, anything that's one-to-one -one is going to be considered interpersonal communication. Group communication, talked about it earlier, it's a dynamic process where you've got a number of people, usually a smaller number of people, engaging in a communication process. This is the form of communication we'll discuss the most. And group communication is something that we will actually spend an entire week talking about throughout the course of the semester, not to mention all the other times we're going to bring it up in class as we talk about things like onboarding, as we talk about things like group socialization. Then we have public communication. We get to this when we talk about external communication, but this is a process where one person or organization communicates with a number of people. So think about it in an organizational context in terms of a press release or a video release. In most cases, 
this is not a dynamic process or as much of a dynamic process. You also see this in keynote speeches as well. There's a little room there for feedback, but in general, not a lot of room for feedback. Mass communication differs because the feedback is basically nil unless you get feedback on social media or you get people writing you letters in the mail. But this is the process of dispersing a message to a large number of people, and it's usually not in person. So a press release could also be considered a form of mass communication, but in terms of organizations, where do we see this most often? Probably advertisements. Now, you could argue that if you're an organization that's, say, a news television station or a music radio station, your business is mass communication, so it's a little bit different for you. But what I want you to remember about mass communication is that it usually involves some form of technology. So if I ask you on a test what kind of communication a radio commercial might be, it's going to be mass communication because, again, it's using that form of technology and it's one to many. And then finally, organizational communication that kind of puts it all together. We're looking at these different communication contexts as it pertains to an individual organization. This might involve some or all of the first five communication contexts. And in our first discussion board post that we'll have next week, we'll talk a little bit about how we've used some of these contexts in our own groups, organizations, or jobs that we've worked in. So again, just a very brief touch to wrap things up here for chapter one, responsibilities of the communicator. This is for all contexts, not just public communication, not just mass communication, not just organizational communication. It's for all contexts, really. The first responsibility is preparation. You should have a general idea of the topic and understanding of the topic as you go into it. Organization is important because it makes sure that you have a logical order to your thoughts, to your actions, to what you're bringing forth. You're providing transitions as necessary. Clarity, this is huge, especially in an organizational context. It's very important to have clarity. Does this mean that it's important to be abrupt? No, not necessarily. Does this mean that it's important to not have empathy? No, not necessarily. I think in our society today, we oftentimes conflate clarity with abruptness or being very terse. That's not necessarily the case. In fact, being abrupt might not be the most clear way to convey a message. But basically what clarity is, is basically just saying, look, I'm communicating this idea. This is the best way I know how to communicate it such that you will get the exact idea that I'm trying to convey. And then concision. Once again, that's not to say that you should be terse or abrupt or angry or mean, but basically that you're omitting unnecessary information. If you're telling the rest of the company about some great new initiative, don't also tell them about what you had for lunch, unless, of course, that's involved with that great initiative. So those are four things. Preparation, organization, clarity, and concision. You should have top of mind in all of your communication practices, whether they be in an organizational context or whether it be even in an interpersonal context with a friend of yours. All right, so that's it as far as the information is concerned. Once again, a quick reminder as we wrap things up, topic check number one is available under quizzes on D2L. The link is also located under this week's content module. Each topic check is five questions over that week's materials. The questions are multiple choice. Topic checks are open notes, so I don't use the lockdown browser, anything crazy like that. Just get in there, answer the five questions correctly. You get five points. Let's do this Sunday. The first one is, 
January 21st at 11.59 p.m. And remember, the late assignment policy does apply here. So if you can't, for whatever reason, get it turned in by Sunday at 11.59 p.m., the sooner you get it turned in after that, the better it is. And it expires completely two weeks after Sunday, January 22nd. So you won't be able to make it up for credit anymore at that point. All right, next week. Chapter two, delivering messages. We'll talk about how to convey messages. It'll be a shorter chapter, so I hope to get to most of that information in class. We'll also have topic check number two. That'll be due January 28th, so put that on your calendar. And then our first discussion post of the year will take place next week as well. The first or initial discussion post will be due by January 25th. That's Thursday at 11.59 p.m. Your response post will be due January 28th at 11.59 p.m. So put those things on your calendar. Those things will be on D2L as well. And we'll cover all of that in class. All right, thanks for joining me. I wish you a great next week. And we'll check in with chapter two once again. Thank you so much for tuning in.